Good morning, class. Good morning, Brother Hi, I'm Keith Moore, and we welcome you to Faith School. Faith School is the place where my spirit is fed, where my faith grows stronger, and where I learn how to be an overcomer. We always confess that when we first thing because we don't want to take any amount of time warming up uh, beginning to believe that time is precious. Time is very important. And you want to believe immediately that your spirit is being fed and that your faith is being quickened and that you are learning and growing. Uh, nothing that's going on in your my life is a mystery to God or a surprise to Him uh, as to how we could get out of a problem or, or overcome it. None of that is hidden from him or a mystery to him. And so it's a matter of us hearing from him what he already sees and knows about us getting out, us overcoming. Uh, we spent some time here in Faith School, and you can go to faithschool.org and see the previous lessons. We camped for several weeks talking about uh, being an overcomer, overcoming faith. And that is your, if you're born again, you're born of God. First John says you are an overcomer. That's your spiritual DNA, if you will. That's your makeup. You, uh, God didn't uh, recreate uh, any losers. <laughs> you, you couldn't have God DNA and be a loser, <laughs> you know, in, inside. That, that just, if you are losing you're doing something contrary to your inner nature. And what you want to do is start, start starving doubts and feeding faith. And your doubt and fear will get weaker and weaker and finally disappear. And then your faith just gets stronger and stronger. And the stronger your faith gets, your confidence comes up. And the insecurities and all that stuff begin to fall away. And you actually can become bold. <laughs> bold to lay hold. Hallelujah. Everybody sit out loud. Bold to lay hold. And that's what faith does. Uh, faith lays hold of what God has already graciously given. And that's what we've been studying here in faith school uh, week after week. Uh, get a Bible, get something to make a note with, and come on into the classroom with us, and let's receive today. Father, all of us agree together as touching this, asking for utterance, asking for guidance and direction, asking for the anointing and answers and help. And we know you are so gracious, so faithful to do it, to give it to us. We thank you for it in advance. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Lord. Well, if you would look in uh, today uh, to 2 Corinthians, the fourth chapter, 
Uh, we've been looking at um, overcoming unbelief. And uh, if you've been with us in previous lessons, we, um, our, our main texts have been in Hebrews 3 and 1 Corinthians 10. And like I said earlier, if, if you're just joining us anew, we've covered a lot of ground already in previous classes. So let me encourage you, go online, faithschool.org, and there's no charge, won't cost you anything, and take the time to go through those because we're building class by class on the foundation already laid. Uh, what we've learned, and we'll mention again right now, 2 Corinthians 4 and 13 says, We, having the same spirit of faith, according as it is written, I believed and therefore have I spoken. We also believe and therefore speak. When we're talking about faith, and you know we got our faith school uh, insignia there, and, and that's uh, uh, David and Goliath there that's being represented. And you hear, especially among, you know, um, Christians and even all type of religions, the subject of faith and believing. And you'll hear a lot of times people use the phrase, well, you just have to believe. You just have to believe. You even hear it a lot around Christmas time. <laughs> and children's stories and that kind of thing. Well, you just have to believe. You just have to believe. And that's not entirely true. Believe what? When we're talking about faith, we're not talking about random believing. We're talking about faith in God. Y'all with me, class? Yes, sir. Big difference between all this just believe stuff. Now, when you say believe something, you're talking about believe something you have heard. And what immediately should become primary is, well, okay, who said it? Right? If I'm, if I'm going to decide whether I believe this or not, who said it? It always goes back to who said it. <laughs> because when you're believing what was said, when you're believing what you've heard, you're deciding to believe, to trust in the integrity of the one who said it. That they know what they're talking about, that they're right, et cetera, et cetera. So, um, Faith in God is what we should be talking about as Christians and believers because you can actually believe in something that is not right. You can believe in something that's not true. Believing a lie is true is being deceived. That's what being deceived is. If you knew it was a lie, you wouldn't be deceived. But see, you, you, you've decided to believe something that you've heard. And man, there, this is just rampant throughout the earth. People believing things that are not true. Not stopping to say, well, now hold on. Who said that? How do they know? And if you don't know them, uh, you know, people uh, talk about walking by faith and living by faith, being a faith person. And sometimes people have wrongly thought, well, that just means you, you, you're quick to trust everybody. Oh, no. 
No, that just makes you easily fooled, easily tricked, easily deceived. You're quick to trust God, what He told you. You've already made up your mind. He's real. He's right about everything. He knows what He's talking about. He's faithful to keep His Word. So I don't have to wrangle over trusting Him. Now, everybody else, you better pay attention, right? Because even though they might be good people, they don't know everything. They can be wrong. Even though they're sincere, they can be sincerely wrong. <laughs> no, said out loud, I trust, I trust in, God. in God. I have faith, I have faith in, what he said. in what he said. Hallelujah. And so when we talk about here the spirit of faith, we're not just talking about principles of faith. Now go with me to Hebrews, our text there, Hebrews chapter 3. And we've been looking at this over and over. It, it talks about what happened with God's uh, first covenant people that he brought out of Egyptian bondage. In Hebrews 3, 7, it says, Wherefore, as the Holy Spirit says today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts, as in the provocation, in the day of temptation, in the wilderness." Why is he talking to us in the New Testament in the book of Hebrews about what happened to them thousands of years ago? Because human nature has not changed. The, the deception and, and wiles of the, the devil have not changed. Faith has not changed. Fear and unbelief has not changed. And we know God has not changed. Right? And so what he's saying is the same things that were issues then are still issues today. And he's cautioning us and warning us, don't let what happened to them happen to you. They hardened their heart. And you'll find that this term was accompanied that talked about they were stiff-necked. Stiff-necked. And, and stubborn and um, hardened their heart. Hard-hearted is the opposite of being tender-hearted. Stiff-necked is being unyielding, which is the opposite of being teachable, correctable. Uh, should we be teachable? Especially with God. Why? We don't know everything, Right? that we know so little compared to what there is to be known, especially compared to what he knows. We should be teachable. We should not bristle and stiffen up and go, I don't, I don't like that. I'm, I'm not going to listen to that. I don't have to. You can't make me. That's how you get destroyed. Anything else, God can fix. But if you bristle against him, and you don't have his help, then you can get in a place where you can't be helped. And that's, that's the worst place you could be. See, he said, uh, verse 10, I was grieved with that generation. I said, they do always err in their heart. They've not known my ways. So I swore in my wrath, they'll not enter into my rest. Take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. He's saying the same thing that happened to them 
can happen to you or me today. And he calls this kind of unbelief that they had evil. Evil. Say it out loud. Unbelief, unbelief is, evil is evil in the eyes of God. Well, now, you do believe God is fair, don't you? If you couldn't help but doubt and yield to unbelief, then God wouldn't be fair in being displeased with you, right? Or or seeing it as evil because you couldn't help it. But it's just not true that we can't help it. Whether we believe or don't believe is our choice. It's always a choice. And I choose to believe my God. Say it out loud. I choose to believe God. And uh, that's, you know, by nature of what faith is, it's the evidence of things not seen. And so even by nature, you don't see it when you're choosing to believe. You don't understand it. You, you don't know how it could happen or how it could be or Uh, You don't have to know that to believe. You just have to choose to believe. What does that mean? You choose to trust what was said, and, and that always comes back to who said it. You trust what was said because of who said it. Hallelujah. So he, uh, he goes on to say, exhort one another daily while it's called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of of sin. Verse 15, he says it again, today, if you'll hear his voice, harden not your hearts as in the provocation. Why does he keep saying this? Why does he keep repeating this? There, there's obviously a very real danger of becoming hard-hearted. And you, once your eyes are open to it, you recognize it all around you. All around us are people who have grown hard-hearted, bitter, uh, holding a grudge, unforgiveness against people, against God, mad at God, they've become hard. They've become bitter because they've chosen not to believe and they've chosen to believe lies. And it's sad because life is short. And soon and very soon, their life's going to be over. And when they get out of this body and they and, they, and they're away from all of these wrong influences, it's going to hit them, as we say, like a ton of bricks, that, you know, how stupid I was to stay mad at God for 30 years. How ridiculous. When he was never the problem, I should have been trusting him. How stupid it was to quit going to church because some people messed up. God didn't mess up. How crazy it was to quit praying and quit praising God because I didn't, something didn't work out the way I wanted it to, or I didn't get what I thought I was believing for. God didn't fail. He did not fail. He was not unfaithful. Hmm? But see, that comes right back to a choice. You got to make that choice. And if you keep on saying, well, God, you got to prove it to me. You got to show me. You got to prove it to me. Well, the truth is, uh, until you change your heart, you'll never be convinced. It'll always be something else with you. <laughs> you'll always want, you need, need more proof, need more evidence. Why? Because it's not that you don't have any, it's just that you're unpersuadable. It's a, 
it's a condition of heart, not a lack of information. Can you see this, class? It's a condition of heart. That why does he keep saying, don't harden your heart? Don't harden your heart. Don't harden your heart. Don't do like they did. He said, uh, they provoke the Lord. And verse 18, to whom swear he that they should not enter into their rest, his rest, but to them that believed not. So we see they could not enter in because of unbelief. Unbelief is the blessing thief. It robbed them of the promised land, of a life, a good life that they should have had. Now, do you hear what we're talking about? People say, well, I just, you know, my life is just not very good. Well, is it the life God wants you to have? See, people assume, well, yeah, it must be. God's in control. Said who? What do you mean God's in control? Well, God's in control, right, of everything. It was his choice whether you ate cornflakes or raisin bran this morning. You know, whether you wore blue or green. Uh-uh. God's not making all your choices for you. God gave us a free will. And his will and plan for them was Canaan's land. Is that right? And, and all except Joshua and Caleb never enjoyed it. They never enjoyed one day in Canaan land. A whole lifetime they spent circling in a dry, desolate desert, not in the will of God. Can you see why the Lord keeps saying, don't do that. Don't harden your heart. Don't let that happen to you. Don't let that happen to you. And sadly, you know, millions on this planet, that's exactly what's happening to them. They are not at all in the will of God. They won't even acknowledge God exists. Much less uh, receive the Savior. They, they are completely outside God's plan and uh, will for their life because they are without God. They don't have God in their life helping them. Remember he said, behold, I stand at the door and knock. Well, does that mean he's inside with you? Not unless you open the door. Is that right? Well, then whatever's going on on the inside has nothing to do with God. He's not even in there. Can you see that? Unless and until you go, please, <laughs> please come in. And oh, if you'll do that. Oh, he has foreordained good works that you should walk in. The, the, the promised land is a type of all the blessings and benefits that we have in Christ. He's a good God. His plan's a good plan. A good plan for a good life. Oh, there'll be, you know, because there's the devil and demons and the curse and sin and crazy people down here. There'll always be something to deal with. But if you're in the plan of God, there'll be grace to deal with it and to overcome. And you'll even experience in the will of God days of heaven on the earth. You won't experience the fullness of heaven, but you'll get some good taste of it. Some good solid taste of heaven on earth. 
Does that sound good to anybody? See, that's what was portrayed by the promised land. But you have to, you have to invite him in. And if you've never done that, and you're watching this right now, no need in waiting another moment. Let's act on this right now. Everybody pray the prayer, not just, not just to repeat and parrot me, but out of your heart because you believe it. Say it out loud, Father God, I do believe in you. I choose to trust your existence, trust your ability, trust your goodness and kindness. I choose to. And I, I believe you've sent Jesus to give us good life, to save us from sin, and that you raised him from the dead, having paid the price for all my failures, all my mistakes. Jesus, I receive you as my Lord, as my Savior. I receive all you, you've given me. All you've done for us in the work of redemption. I seek your will, your good will, your good plan for the good life in you. Thank you for bringing me into it in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Uh, the, the Bible said there's a broad way, Jesus said, uh, that leads to destruction. And there's a lot of people that's on that broad path going right into destruction. But there's a straight and a narrow way and relatively few that find it. And if you just prayed that for the first time, you're part of the few now. Hallelujah. That get off of this interstate to hell and get on the straight and narrow to the good life here and now. And to glory after. Praise God. But can you see how it always comes back to a choice. To believe what you heard. Which comes back to believing who said it. Amen. Now uh, uh, look with me if you would in uh, Exodus the 19th chapter. What we've been doing when he tells us there in Hebrews, and he also said a similar thing in 1 Corinthians 10, when he tells us, don't let this happen to you. Don't become hard, hard of heart and stiff-necked. Um, he's referring to his first covenant people that he delivered out of Egyptian bondage and how that uh, place by place, situation by situation, they had opportunities to demonstrate faith in him and failed. They failed every one of them until after 10 major events where they chose to doubt God, reject God, rebel against God. He said, okay, then you're going to have what you've been saying. And sadly, what they had been saying is we're all going to die out here in the desert. Wasn't God's choice for them, but that's what happened. And so since the scripture in the New Testament talks so much about this, we've been going through these cases one by one. And here in uh, Exodus 19, it tells, uh, this is our, our seventh event, 
in the 10. said, in the third month, when the children of Israel were gone forth out of the land of Egypt, the same day they came to the wilderness of Sinaiah. And uh, they were departed from Rephidim and were come to the desert of Sinai and had pitched in the wilderness and there Israel camped before the mount. And Moses went up upon unto God and the Lord called him out of the mountain and said, you'll say to the house of Jacob, tell the children of Israel, you have seen what I did to the Egyptians, how I bear you on eagle's wings and brought you to myself. Now, therefore, if you will obey my voice indeed and keep my covenant, you will be a peculiar treasure to me above all people, for all the earth is mine, and you'll be to me a kingdom of priests, a holy nation. And these are the words which you'll speak to the children of Israel. Does any of this sound familiar to you? Huh? A peculiar people, a kingdom of priests. A holy nation. Well, see, this is quoted in 1 Peter in the New Testament. Well, that's where it comes from. It comes from right here. What God told them uh, there at the mount, Mount uh, Sinai. Also, this is called Mount Horeb, or it's just called Horeb. And so if you're reading the scriptures, both of those names refer to the same mountain, the same place. It was like a 8,000-foot elevation hill or mountain there. Where we'll see later is where God actually came down in person on the top of the mountain and gave them the Ten Commandments on the stone tablets and a lot of other things that he gave to Moses. But this is the seventh event where they really, really blew it and failed to trust God. And we're going to get into this in some detail. But notice in the beginning of this, the Lord's reminding them, He's saying, you saw what I did to the Egyptians. You saw how I have brought you, I, I bore you on eagle's wings and brought you to myself. He, he's reminding them, look where I've brought you from. Look how I did it. Who else could do that for you? And from all the evidences that are accumulating, there should be some faith now. There should be the people going, well, yeah, yeah, he did that and he did this and he did this. Uh, why should we doubt that he can get us over to the promised land? And yet, they, they didn't think that way. They made the wrong choice. And they kept saying, he wants to kill us out here. Well, he said, you'll be a peculiar treasure to me. Uh, you'll be a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. That don't sound like he wants to kill them. Right? But he was never able to convince them of his good intentions for them. His good plan for them. And you'll find that same struggle today. I think God's, you know, this was his plan for me. Just pain and, and toil and trouble. No, no. God's a good God. His plan is a good plan. If you're not experiencing his goodness, you're not on the right track. We need to make some changes, get, get on the right track uh, so that you experience his goodness. Say it out loud, God's plan for me is goodness. He's a good God, it's a good plan. I believe in your goodness. Hallelujah, hallelujah. 
We're out of time uh, for today, but uh, aren't you glad to know that God doesn't have bad things planned for you, but good. We'll see you back here tomorrow in Faith School. I've got a victory living inside. Thank you for joining us at Faith School. Class is dismissed for today, but you can watch this and other episodes of Faith School free of charge at faithschool.org. For more information, visit our website or call us at 941-702-7390. 